Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. We got Kim Wright, VP over at Hill and Knowlton, and Melissa Lansman, also VP over at Hill and Knowlton. Hill and Knowlton night tonight. It is. It's like you guys got a whole roster of smart people. Smart people who have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Let's talk a little bit about Donald Trump, shall we? Um, provincial sources are suggesting that Ottawa is playing politics with NAFTA, saying that they're using this issue for political gain by not uh, signing a bilateral deal and getting to it. But late today, Donald Trump again came out swinging, again kicking Canada, uh, saying this. We're not negotiating with Canada right now. Their tariffs are too high. Their barriers are too strong. So we're not even talking to them right now. But we'll see how that works out. It'll only work out to our favor. Oh, fun. You forgot the one where he says, and I hate their prime minister. (laughs) But nonetheless, I mean, a lot of people, Melissa, will say, oh, it's just rhetoric. I don't think it's rhetoric. This is a problem. Uh, They haven't been at the negotiating uh, table since May. May uh, since May, well, they, but they've been saying they're right there. They, uh, yeah, well, they haven't been there since May, is my is my understanding. Uh, there, are, the Americans are at the negotiating table with uh, with Mexico. This is a big problem for yeah. uh, for industry in uh, in Ontario. Um, you know, in terms of the provincial story, Ford made this a priority really, really early. I think uh, it was in the transition that yeah. uh, he had uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs come. Uh, I think he's called 10 governors now. Um, he's got a vested interest in making sure that uh, that NAFTA doesn't adversely affect, uh, you know, steel, auto, uh, some of the big industries in Ontario. Uh, and I think the uh, the feds need to step up. Well, I think so, too, um, because if, in fact, these auto tariffs come and, and Trump has been saying now for a couple of weeks, he's been dropping that, that he will bring in auto tariffs. And I don't care if he's threatening. I mean, the bottom line is, if he does this, Ontario's gone, dead. Absolutely. Uh, look, I grew up outside of Windsor. I grew up with a lot of my friends who worked in the manufacturing facilities, either directly at the big three or in the feeder facilities. So it is a big issue. But let's be honest, these trade conversations are always about the politics of things. It has nothing to do, I'm sure, with midterm elections coming up in primary season in the U.S., like, let's be real about this. Of where, okay, but we can say that on coming. the flip side, it could very, you know, the, it, there's, the, the there's province a- is accusing the feds of, of using this for political gain, too. Everyone's going to accuse everyone of political gain until we actually get a trade deal. But what uh, Melissa is saying is quite true. We do have major trading partners with various U.S. states, but also U- uh, U.S. cities. Uh, we had a delegation here in uh, in Toronto last year from Dallas and Fort Worth, and their largest trading partners for their businesses were the city of Toronto and yeah. each city of Toronto businesses. So this is actually quite a huge uh, issue, both the Buy America plan, the NAFTA program. And, and it always comes down to how people are feeling around the security of their own economics and their community's economics. For sure. And we see that we say this is an issue uh, and it's an issue that can become a crisis. Well, well, it's an issue that can become a crisis. It already is. I mean, the steel companies that are, you know, bordering around the Niagara Falls, they're already losing a ton of money. And we won't even talk about it because they will get some kind of subsidy or help from the government. However, it is being felt. There's no question. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need this to stop being a Twitter war and really start being a, a conversation amongst grownups around the table. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah we got a powerful twirl in, uh, in our premier. He's, he's got to go out and be that CMO of Ontario, uh, go knock on some doors of, uh, of some governors, and he, maybe he can fix this. But why wouldn't they then, I mean, look, they can hate each other all they want, but, you know, if I'm, if I'm 
Mr. Trudeau, maybe just send him down to Washington. He actually might be able to talk to Trump. As crazy as that is. It's not so crazy. It's not so crazy. <laughs> you know? Uh, let's talk about wealthy people who can't get their toys. And the um, the company that makes those toys is very, very mad. In fact, Tesla Motors is suing the Ontario government, alleging it's suffered. Oh, substantial harm. Uh, and lost sales amid the cancellation of the electric vehicle that um, no one seems to want to buy unless they get a good old $14,000 check to buy it. I'm not feeling so sorry for Tesla, Kim. <laughs> It is a bit difficult, but look, the new technologies always cost a lot of money, but uh, I'm not sure how this one will all play out in the courts. A lot of the things that the premier has done, he and his his government have done, have been a little rushing of the fences uh, this uh, legislative session. Uh, it's been wonderful. It, it it's been great uh, no. for talk. It's been great for talk radio, uh, but there are a lot of people who are like, hold, hold on a minute. Maybe we should have a look at some of the unintended consequences of this. Whether it's about Tesla, which fine, uh, but also the other auto manufacturers that we were talking about earlier. Uh, how how are they going to be impacted as they've been trying to tool up onto electric vehicles uh, and electric vehicle charging stations, etc.? Uh, how will this impact their new vehicle lines as they're running through? And that's another thing, Melissa. We can get rid of those vehicle charging stations and save some more money. This isn't a surprise. It's actually so on brand for uh, for Tesla uh, to go out and uh, sue the government. Uh, like he won, he ran on this platform. Um, deal with it. And I'm I'm actually never going to sit here and defend fourteen thousand dollar rebates uh, for Tesla. I'm never going to defend Elon Musk. I, I'm I'm never. I'm not sure how you defend the what was it seven pages of a platform maybe. Uh, that he ran on and keeps saying, but he had a platform. That's, that's but he did say this in his seven pages. It, it was I, this was I, one. I this was, this was one, one of the seven one. pages. I will give you that. There were some other things that were a bit funkier uh, in the in the map. The cutting council wasn't there, but I do was, remember this. Like I do remember this issue being yes, a big priority but, for them. But there's a lot of people who are wondering what else is coming now that they've had their their first legislative session of uh, Premier Ford. And look. Good on him for getting out of the gate and getting his branding put onto there. Uh, but there is four long years of legislative process left to go. And, and there's a question about what's left on the checklist. Four long years of decisive government. I'm just waiting for strong, stable, majority governments. Isn't that your tagline, Melissa? I, uh... It seems pretty strong right now, <laughs> certainly for the first three weeks. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is Counterpoint. We got Kim Wright and Melissa Lantzman facing off. Let's talk a little bit about Melissa Robichaud. She is the widow of Donnie Robichaud, who was killed in that shooting on Friday in Fredericton. And the prime minister called on Wednesday. Five days after the shooting. And I guess this is the the mandated um, call that you, you make uh, as a prime minister in a, a situation like this. But during the call, she called him a piece of blank because she felt he disrespected her kids by waiting so long to call. And here is um, Melissa talking about her husband and remembering who he was. He was good at everything he did. He was a loyal friend. He'd do anything for anybody. He was a good father. He was a good husband. I'll start with you on this, Kim. She does not regret the wording. Um, But in the conversation, she basically said, look, my husband doesn't wear a vest, carry a gun. He was just like an everyday person. 
And she said she felt that he was treated like a second rate citizen because it took the prime minister that many days to call. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why it took the prime minister so long to call. Well, don't they have uh, an office of people for that kind of stuff? Yeah, and and that, you know, in in the media reports I saw where he had been in Fredericton and and regardless of their personal situation, I think if you're going to reach out to one, you need to reach out to all in those circumstances, uh, regardless of who is an officer, who is a civilian. And uh, these are people who were caught in crossfire, uh, and and it is a it is it is a terrible tragedy that's happened to these this this woman and her family. And I I don't blame her for being upset uh, by that. And 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 to her point, not upset for herself, uh, but how she feel feel felt it reflected on her family. Mm-hmm. And if you're going through those those types of grief, it's it, it can be really troubling and you're going to say the things you're going to say. I think the Prime Minister's office has learned a lesson from this of be a bit more on the ball. We're we're living in a world where everyone's got six phones glued to them, especially if you're the Prime Minister's staff. They could have found five minutes to make a call. This this is an office that has a photographer on the ready for like when he goes for shirtless jogs. I mean this is a a, a, a very slick um, prime minister's office that seems to kind of know when they're, you know, stick handling something. You guys are both in politics. You guys both know the optics of this. Did no one think, hey, we're in Fredericton. Let's spend five minutes on the phone with those people that haven't been named. Yeah, it's look, it's a mistake. Uh, There's probably lots going on. We don't know the the full story. But in terms of a a grieving um, widow, um, who like I, just, I couldn't imagine that happening um, to to me or to to anyone I know. So I don't know how I would react. So give her the uh, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, she's uh, upset and uh, and rightfully so. And uh, I think I think Kim's right. Um, they probably learned a good lesson in this. Look, it took him a while to to go to the Danforth as well. Well, it did. And then I saw him there on Friday um, with every other politician. It was like almost I, I was so grossed out by the opening of the Danforth with every politician there selfieing it up and laughing and having a grand old time when we had this national tragedy unfolding in Fredericton. The tone to me was all off. And again, you're out doing that. This is the stuff that he's good at. This is the the stuff that is the symbolic stuff, is the stuff that he's good at because he doesn't really do anything else other than, well, symbol stuff. But yeah, it's, it, you know, again, lessons learned for the prime minister's office. Certainly, I suspect there is a whole bunch of soul searching of why it took so long. How will we do this different in, in future events? Uh, I, my heart goes out to any of the victims of these types of crimes that have been happening. You know, I'll just cap it off and say it took them about 14 seconds to come out and comment on a hijab attack that never happened. And, you know, it just doesn't jive with me. Okay, let's talk about someone who decided it was a grand old idea um, to hold a photo shoot um, with scantily clad models right in the middle of the National Holocaust Monument. Is there ever a time, Melissa, that you can have a fashion show at a memorial? Full stop, no. I'm going to go with no. Um (laughs) It, you know, it, first of all, this is an issue that's uh, both uh, personal uh, to me, to my family. But more than that, it, these memorials, as much as they are remembrance for um, sort of for those who, who perished in, in some of the darkest days of, of, of history, um, they're also a reminder for, for people today. And, and what this says about where we are on Holocaust education uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, the rise of anti-Semitism, the fact that we're not teaching it um, or we're not teaching it well uh, to uh, 
to have people do the selfies, the 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 fashion shoots, the juggling pictures, the yoga shots at uh, at Holocaust memorials, it's beyond me. I just don't, I don't get it. We're doing something wrong. I don't get it either. I mean, it would be just as tacky to have a runway show at the 9-11 memorial. I mean, honestly, um, I think we're at a time in life where people have just, they don't seem to gut check anything anymore. I mean, you've got some leaders in the Jewish community who are calling this desecration of a city. Do you call this a desecration? Well, I think it was terribly planned on everyone's part. And, you know, I looked back at a couple of years ago where one of the retailers had a a shirt that looked an awful lot like the outfits that people were wearing at Auschwitz. So, oh, like, that's right. Yeah, was that? I don't want to say. I'm not going to uh, say let, a company, but say I do remember. Retailers, but, yeah. uh, but to Melissa's point, there really needs to be a re-education about what happened, uh, that it happened, and that these these tragedies can very easily happen again if we are not properly educated about what brought these things forward. And I think we are seeing a rise in anti-Semitism. We are seeing a rise in, uh, in in communities that are doing things that, frankly, I thought we had put to bed long ago. Um, apparently uh, it's we alive haven't. and well. There is, there is state-sponsored Holocaust denial. I'm, uh, I'm, look, I'm with Captain America, punch Nazi. Like at the end of the day, like we need to we need to start understanding our history because we are doomed to keep repeating it. I I just I honestly I cannot imagine being around that boardroom going like where are we going to do like the fashion? Oh, there's some great angles at the monument. We should go to Ottawa and like you can like stand there like in your butt. We'll be hanging out and there's a really great light where ugh. like who thought did anyone say might not be a good idea? Probably not, but thankfully, someone—if uh, someone decided that this was going to be a situation where we should all collectively say this is not right, and we need to refocus our energies on telling our stories, telling people's histories, and, and getting people to really understand what has come before them, before yeah. selfies. I should hire you. <laughs> should hire you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying the company's name or the designer's <laughs> name, um, but look, and they didn't apologize. They said we're just not going to comment on it. The project's over. Yeah. So is your line. Um, let's talk a little bit about Maxime Bernier, because I know you both follow this. Um, Mr. Scheer is being pressured to kick him out of the party. He can't do that. But why should he have to go, Melissa? Should he not be kicked out because the voters don't like what he says on these issues of diversity? So that's a that's a that's a big one to unpack. So we're like 400 days from an election. <laughs> um, and maybe. Uh, maybe. And uh, maybe we're, we're maybe we're at one sooner. Um Mm. I think um, that the Tories in uh, in Ottawa have to get it together. Uh, it it can't be, nice. be it can't be a sheer Bernier fight. That leadership is over. They can actually take a lesson from what happened here. Yeah. So are, so is he staying or going? Are we going to get a clash song out of this? Uh you know what? I think uh, I think long term uh, Bernier's got a lot of supporters um, behind him. Yeah. Uh, maybe not on these. Maybe maybe not on this issue, uh, but in general, a lot of people behind Bernier, and I think it would be unwise uh, to get rid of him. I think it would be unwise too, Kim, because while the perpetually outraged are perpetually outraged, um, there will be polling, and I suspect a lot of Canadians will actually agree with Mr. Bernier, maybe not because he said it the right way, but because they're feeling very uneasy about what's going on with the migrant crisis that's not being solved and, and a bunch of other things that are going on, like taking statues down and... Just just because people it may poll popular, it doesn't make it right. And I think we just need to go back to that last segment. Uh, there are some people who need to understand new history and old history. And I think Mr. Bernier really needs to remember he's not currently running for leader. 
uh, and maybe put down his Twitter for a bit. Uh, I, you know, the Tories are going to gather in Halifax next week. Uh, their their convention will have a lot to say, I suspect, uh, on the floor and in the hallways. I'll leave it to them to decide whether what uh, what they should go. I suspect they'll all find a way to not sing the Clash, but rather sing Kumbaya come the end of it. <laughs> we'll see. Well, let's end this thing on a conspiracy theory. There you go. Um, let's 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 actually say that uh, Bernie didn't say it, and uh, he's just tweeting it. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you, ladies. Thank that you. That is Kim Wright and Melissa Lantzman dropping hints here. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.